0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Postgrad Space. I am recording this episode in my room, and construction is ongoing nearby. So, if you hear a hammer here or a shout there, please do bear with me. But all in all, I hope that you are doing okay wherever you are. And on to this week's episode, I spoke to Bitangendemo, who is a lecturer at the University of Nairobi. And we talk about his life story, which is really interesting. Plus, approaches to take when you are getting into entrepreneurship to the journey of success that you are looking for. Who is Bitange Demo?
1: Oi, that is hard. <laughs> 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 I, can, I can say Bitange Demo is a, a professor of entrepreneurship at the University of Nairobi. I am a Teacher of entrepreneur, but I also mentor so many young people in entrepreneurship.
0: Tell me about your childhood. How was it growing up for
1: you? It was very difficult for me because I lost my dad when I was seven. So you can imagine it was a very difficult, uh, very difficult for uh, my mom. You know, my father had five wives, my mother was the last one. My mom had uh, nine kids, so it, it was very difficult growing up. My brother, elder brother, was in high school uh, when I got, got to form one. There wasn't enough fees, so okay. I I lost a couple of. Uh, actually, I stabilized like a stable student in for, form three.
0: Okay, that's
1: when. The, that's when my brother had gone to campus, and then I, my mom was able to pay for me.
0: Did you have that dream of becoming a doctor with the situation that you went through, like a doctor or an engineer, or actually, for you to I, have
1: actually, I just did. Some young young lady like you told me to write a letter to a 25-year to me at 25. Um, my dreams are that. Time. My dreams began when I was in primary school. You know, in primary in the village, we were not allowed to wear shoes. And uh, I really needed shoes. Every time I saw my teacher wearing red slippers, slippers I yeah. said, I want to be a teacher so that I can afford something like that. <laughs> Yeah, seriously. Okay. It's serious because that was the most uh, expensive thing that I saw in my life. So, yeah. and then one time I was sick. Uh, my mom took me to a dispensary. It it wasn't a doctor, it was, you know, dispensaries were run by nurses. But he wore a beautiful white coat. That's when my dreams from being a teacher I moved to being a doctor. Because yeah. this one was better dressed, you know, white, you know, even smelling good. <laughs> so for a while I wanted to be I wanted to be a doctor. Yes. Yeah. Then when I finished high school. My younger siblings were not, uh, had not finished school, so my mom said I should support them until my brother finished college. So I was employed as a clerical officer with Kenya Power. And uh, I, after my last sibling went through secondary, I decided to go to study in the US. I didn't have money. So, I got there with, I think, $1,500, but I had enrolled at the University of Minnesota, which the fee was almost $3,500. So, I was in Mm. negative negative, (laughs) $2,000. (laughs) Uh, The summer that followed, I took several jobs, you know, these uh, menial jobs. So six o'clock, I would um, wash toilets, and around ten o'clock, I would be like um, what do you call the people who collect plates from the tables? Waiter, yeah, not not really. A waiter in the US is a big a big job, but the people who who clean the table after people have finished used to be called busboys. Then at three. I would wash dishes, and then I would finish like uh, midnight.
0: Mm.
1: Then at 1 a.m. I would go to a newspaper company. I pick newspapers. I distribute up to 4 in the morning, go home, sleep, and wake up at thirty to go to wash toilets in the following day. So, wow. so it was never easy for me <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> it was but very easy
0: you found yourself in the u s and you completed your your schooling with the struggles that you got, but you got a job i, afterwards.
1: I, I actually to be honest, I struggled for two years yeah in in the third year, I joined student politics the The university started paying my fees. That was a brief. Then third year and fourth year, they paid.
0: And I saw that once you were done with college, you did not become a teacher, but a cost analyst.
1: I really wanted to go to, to be an engineer. Yes. Um, But then, (laughs) to do physics in the lab of uh, the engineering uh, program, yeah. It used to take like five hours, okay. so and needed to work at least twenty hours a week to pay for my house mm-hmm. so i quit I quit that also i didn't pursue engineering I pursued I decided to go to the school of management mm-hmm. where I did accounting and finance. that is how I ended up as a cost accountant, studying as a cost accountant and then The company took me to college, I finished my master's in information systems, Um, so that's what happened. And
0: these guys were paying you good money, I
1: assume? Boom! Good. In 1993, my salary was 60,000 US dollars.
0: Wow, that's around how much? 6 million? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh,
1: That's a, that's a, a whole year. So, I used to earn like $5,000 a month, uh, which is still higher than what I earn as a full professor. Why
0: did you leave such a good job to
1: come back to Kenya? My mom. <laughs> I, I, I wanted to be with my mom. So, I came back. There was no job. I couldn't get a Nobody understood what MIS was. Well, I started. Uh, helping a niece who was selling vegetables, exporting and uh, distributing locally. Actually, it was a good job, but my cousin went home and said, I may have not gone to college because I was selling vegetables in Nairobi. You know in the vernacular? Yeah. It sounds sounds (laughs) so bad. It's, It's easy to say it in English. But yeah. it's like it's <laughs> like, So my mom who had a lot of respect for came and said, why are you embarrassing me? Mm-hmm. That's that's when I started looking for a job. So then the university one was looking for somebody who could teach um accounting systems. I found myself only one
0: Yeah.
1: Then I joined as a tutorial fellow. Then they said, for you to be promoted, you have to do a PhD. So I went to England to do a PhD. It was never my intention to teach in my life. I mean, yeah. it, it, well, I thought initially I had thought I would become a teacher, but to teach at the university is not my dream. So I, stayed at the university then two years i went to london england and i finished my 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 phd
0: when we were growing up we often put bitange and ict as one person how did that come into
1: when i was started working as a post accountant the company was looking for people to train to do things like uh, systems analysis That's how I went to do systems uh, and got into 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 IT. When I was here in two thousand and two, I was helping. um, I I I did help in in Kibaki's campaign, writing some documents and stuff. That's how they. They just appointed me. I didn't know what it was. That's how I ended up there.
0: Was it a field you okay? No, you're familiar with, but was it according to your plan? I'm sure you in your mind you had a career plan.
1: My career plan was to become a full professor. Never, ever thought I would work for government. Never, ever. So it came as an accident in between.
0: And now, after that, you still find yourself back to teaching?
1: Back to my original dream. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There are things, um, things you dream when you are young, don't come out, when you thought about them. For example, uh, I grew up Seventh day Adventist. So everything we did, the headquarters was in a place called Gandia, in Homope. So in my life, one thing I wanted to accomplish was to go to Gambia. Gendia. Gendia is just, uh, say what, an hour from my place. But you know, it looked like a foreign land. I mean, it's, that village, you know you have, <laughs> you have to travel by bus. But Gendia, in my head, because every, everybody in my church used to talk about Gendia, I thought it was heaven. One day, uh, Engineer Reg, who is who was the MP for Karachwan, asked me to go and launch a digital village. The way he says, Oh, we have reached Gandhi, I said, what, what did you say that we had reached Gandhi? <laughs> this is the place I have been dreaming to be coming. So in, I don't know whether you have ever imagined some city that looks like heaven. So he said, yeah, this is the SDA headquarters. And <laughs> I saw a cow grazing outside and I said, this is not heaven. <laughs> okay. I was not so disappointed. So yeah. so there are things um, you think about, the uh, dream about, but then you terribly get disappointed.
0: I, I I know many young people finish campus with the idea of getting into entrepreneurship, but they really don't know what it tells. Where can someone begin as a young person?
1: A young person, you just know you need to know very few things. Eh? Since you've gone to college, entrepreneurial opportunity equals to the biggest problem you see in your eyes. I mean, whatever you see as a problem, flip it, and it, that is the best entrepreneurial opportunity. Mm. But people miss that. They see what Valerie is doing, I do it. Yeah. Then you kill each other. You kill each other. and And that's the most powerful concept in entrepreneurship. If you sold bananas you bought them at ten bob and sold them at twenty. And I say I'm going to do to sell bananas. When I bring my bananas, it lowers your margin because you start saying, "Let me remove five to fifteen so that I could sell all of them." The other one lowers. lowers. That is what kills our micro enterprises by duplicating what your neighbor or your friend has and then it becomes useless so if you look at a serious problem and flip it it becomes the greatest opportunity in entrepreneurship that is the source of success so if kids in the village are not getting knowledge through digital then provide a digital solution yeah and you should be asking, how can I get Wi-Fi in this place? Then we'll tell you, you need a satellite and whatnot and whatever, and that's it. And that, that's how simple it is.
0: But I find that many don't have the capital, or they think that they need the capital to, to actually Cap- solve the problem.
1: Capital has never been a problem. Mm-hmm. If, if, say for example, the village I come from, if I needed uh, Wi-Fi there, I go and say we have te- 1,000 kids who want Wi-Fi. This is the match we can charge. This is, the, this is how I'm going to do it. You would find a provider, an ISP, who would bring that and you make your card. Don't, yeah. don't start with the attitude that I can't do it or I don't have the money. That is defeatist. Yeah. That is defeatist.
0: So let's start with the mind that you can actually do it, not looking at what you don't have.
1: Let's say out of this opportunity, what can I do? I can sit down and prepare what you call a a pitch deck. A pitch deck is to present a proposal to show the value proposition and show the cash flow, mm-hmm. anybody would finance you.
0: I think we are getting into a very competitive space. Any advice you can give to young entrepreneurs? Yeah,
1: that's a problem you said there. By saying yes. you get into a competitive place, why yeah. are you going? To, why are you going to compete when there are so many gaps? Mm-hmm. You can say, I can see a gap here. How do I exploit it? And I will tell you for free: talk to people. Um, Say, then I have this, uh, I have this opportunity. Get another person That is another concept in entrepreneurship. Let us brainstorm. How many people are there? Um, What do you think people can pay for? How long would it take to get a competitor? You know, all those things, yeah. But if you got money and they started a business, and there are many people, you will lose it.
0: Can I say that young people are entitled? Do you have the same thought?
1: There is a feeling really of entitlement. People think their parents owe them something. The moment you are over, over 18, they do not owe you anything. In fact, you should yeah. be thankful that they brought you to a level where you can speak like this. because. Mm-hmm. Imagine when you are uh, two months old. There's nothing. And they ignored you. They would have ignored you. And, and the parents and those who ignore their children or never paid school fees for you. There are people with money who don't pay school fees for their children. So you should say they brought me to a level where I can walk on my own, where I can talk to people and seek advice. You should be thankful. But most do things like the parents owe them. I can't do it. You do what you want to do. Mm. We are in this world, we are in a temporal space. They will go. Mm. If God gives you the same years, I give everybody eight years, they would go ahead of you. Mm. So instead of saying, let me do it. Uh, well, Americans force their kids out. You know, They say, either you pay rent here or you go pay your rent outside. That mm. makes mm. them Some wash dishes, they come from rich families, they wash dishes and do whatever so that they are independent. But here, there is a lot of people feel entitled, you know, like I'm entitled to my father's vehicle, to my father's uh, property. Ideally, you should say these people worked hard, they are here. Let me do my own now.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. What I'd love you to do is to pick out what stood out for you in today's conversation and tag me at postgradspace on Instagram or pgradspace on Twitter. I am so grateful for you being a dedicated listener and I hope that you can share this message with your friends and your loved ones. Don't forget to subscribe as well and to rate and to review this podcast. Till next time, ciao.